Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm talking to Sam Dorea, Deputy Chief Constable for Dorset Police. If you're a regular listener to this show, you'll know that our prime focus is about speaking to business owners and business leaders and entrepreneurs about their journey and how it's evolved. However, I'm very passionate about the subject of leadership and love exploring leadership in all its forms. And therefore, every so often, it's great to get a leader from a less businessy environment to talk to us about their experiences and approach to leadership. And surely one of the more difficult positions of leadership is one involving law enforcement. Prior to her appointment with Dorset Police, Sam spent several years in Devon and Cornwall Police as Chief Superintendent and Commander, leading frontline policing services, investigation, neighbourhood policing and partnerships. In 2013, she established the Southwest Women in Leadership Programme, which endeavours to help female police personnel realise their full potential. She was also specifically selected to spend 10 weeks with the FBI at their National Academy. It's both intriguing and inspiring to get a leadership perspective from someone in such a challenging, complex and impactful sector. Among other things, there are discussions about self-development, public responsibilities and how COVID affected crime. I also couldn't help asking Sam about how police dramas on TV compare to the reality of life. Unfortunately, there is some intermittent sound disturbance from time to time in the early part of the recording and during this call conversation course somewhat appropriately by police radios but otherwise I hope you enjoy the conversation. Sam welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you thank you for having me today. It's great to have you on the show I'm always interested to talk to senior leaders in organizations that aren't just in the traditional business world and so today we're exploring the joys and challenges of being a leader in the police force particularly in your role as Deputy Chief Constable for Dorset Police. So, for our listeners, we probably should start with that, shouldn't we? So, in a nutshell, what does your position and role as Deputy Chief Constable for Dorset um, entail? So, I know it's public service, but it is, uh, this in this particular role, very much about r- running a business. So, that is around making sure that the funding's coming in, that we're putting boots on the ground, that we're out there delivering a service. Um, so it really is about operate, operating at that sort of chief executive sort of level okay. uh, and delivering operations. So I'm effectively the chief operating officer for the force. Okay. Um, and that involves everything. That's so a wide-ranging role then. It really <laughs> is. Um, and, it, it, and, and that's what's so great about it is that you 
are the person that sort of has the umbrella over the organisation, yeah. policing. We're all about going out there, delivering a public service, delivering to our communities. Mm. And it's how do we do that with limited resources, limited money, uh, and also making sure that we're meeting the needs of the community. So that's really effectively what, what I'm here to do. Right. And I, so I suppose that you already alluded to some of them. There's some of those challenges that business leaders face or business owners face are exactly the same regardless of the fact that it's public rather than the private sector. Absolutely. I think I think it is all about making every single penny count because mm. it's public money. Yeah. That's really important. It's also the severity of what we're out there dealing with, yeah. I think, that probably makes it different. Um, and also the expectations of the public. So that need to really ensure that you protect the trust that the mm. community having policing absolutely critical but everything else in terms of operations fleet estates you know making sure that we pay people on time yeah. all of those things are just like running a business okay. anywhere else so it's the coo well yeah okay so and we're going to cover some of those you know particularly the, the you know critical decision making processes and those kind of things i hope during the course of our conversation so what most excites you about the role sam so I've got 25 years service now and um, I joined as a young PC up in the northeast with Northumbria Police um, and was giving it a bit of a shot actually just to say oh I'll give this a go and see if I like it and I absolutely loved it from day one and that hasn't changed you know I, I joined to uh, be part of a team to give something back to the public and also to make sure that we were dealing with the people that were out there doing bad things um, that hasn't changed it, it's evolved you know I'm yeah. managing teams now and overseeing teams and and really setting in strategies in terms of how we look at policing now and into the future but I think for me it's always about being about trying to make a difference and making sure that we look after our people so that they go out and deliver that really amazing service to the public that we're looking to deliver um, and really I, I think every day is different I am a firearms commander, I'm a public order commander, so I, I even as deputy, I managed to step back into the operational okay. quite a lot. Uh, is you know, that usual or is that unusual for somebody in your role within uh, the police force? I, I think it's probably a bit more usual in the smaller forces, okay. so you know, where everybody has to wear a few hats, yeah. everybody has to muck in. Uh, but for me, I really enjoy that because it connects me back yeah. with what we're there to deliver. So you know, dealt with some really fantastic things through my, my, my career, you know, really high level investigations and, uh, you know, critical major incidents. Um, so for me, it's, it's, yes, I'm doing this, this very, um, specific operational chief operating officer role, but actually I'm still a police officer. I could, yeah. I still put my kit on and go out there and could, yeah. could deliver as a PC. Fantastic. So that probably does lead on to another discussion point is, you know, 25 years in the in the force started right on you know as a pc and, and worked your way through mm. to a point at which you know very senior leader making strategic decisions how does the police force kind of educate you and develop you as an individual or how have you done that yourself maybe to get to this point because the you know and 25 years sounds like a long period of time but to go from pc on the ground you know feet on the ground as you say so the role you've got now is quite a significant leap. Mm. So what's that development journey been like for you, Sam? 
So I would say there's three critical things, really. First one is personal responsibility. Yeah. So you've got to take personal responsibility for developing yourself. And, and that's throughout your career. Mm. So I've done things like I've been a detective. I've been a sexual offences liaison officer. So they'll give you a course for that. But actually learning then how to do that really well mm. comes from you and mentoring, coaching. I've okay. relied on really heavily. Um, the second bit is vocational training. So you do get training through your career. So being a detective, there's a detective program. Um, so obviously I, I went through a lot of that. Um, and then the third bit for me is who you surround yourself with yeah. uh, and links back to the coaching and mentoring, I suppose. And um, I've relied really heavily on those people that my go-to people uh, that I can say, because this job is so vast, <laughs> to say... <laughs> have I got this right? You know, am I going in the right direction with this? How have you experienced that in another force? And I've got yeah. a network now that's sort of national. Okay. Uh, and I do that for other people as well, which is really important. But a couple of really key things for me is um, before you move up to executive level, uh, you go on the senior command course. Okay. Uh, and there is a three day program uh, sort of interview process that you go through where you do modules over a three day period. And then you'll go into senior command. And uh, that course is fantastic because it's 50 people roughly from across the across the uh, country and that's police officers and staff members who are who are sitting at that level so not only do you get access to amazing speakers and training over a 10-week period but you also then get that sort of peer yeah. you build that peer support and then one of the best things that I've done in my job is I had 10 weeks with the FBI at Quantico okay um, wow. on their <laughs> national academy and I did that as a superintendent and um I put my hat in the ring for it, never expected to get it because um, at the time I was in Devon and Cornwall and they send somebody once every five years. So, okay. um, and managed to get it. And there I was in Quantico, 230 people on a course being led by them. So again, I've had some really fantastic training yeah. like that, that I've been supported around. But going back to that first point, is you have to invest it's in that, yourself. It's yeah. that growth mindset, isn't it? That yeah. I think every business leader, you know, Absolutely. you know, leader mm. needs is to have that mentality that I'm going to be a better person today than I was yesterday. Yes, I'm going to push myself, stretch myself. But what knowledge do I need? Where can I seek it? Mm. And it's really interesting that you took because you know, in, and I suppose in the private sector, it's used a lot that kind of having mentors, non-execs mm. around, coaches around you mm. to support. And you're saying that's no different in the public sector and Definitely it's been a not, yeah. big contributing factor to your growth and success yeah and I think it's one of the things that policing has really learned over the years so you can put somebody on a training course to be a, a senior investigating officer or you know you could you, you put together a DI's course you know detective inspectors course but actually it's what you do after the courses that's absolutely critical where that person sort of grows in strength yeah. um, and really goes out and he's able to deliver that role and, and let's face it the roles that we're expecting some of our people to do are life and death yeah. so you can't just have somebody who takes a little while to perform well you need them yeah. on it you know yeah. you need them to be picking it up and to be really um because because what we'll do is we'll put them on a course and we'll expect them to go live with that skill set the next yeah. day so that mentoring and that coaching and that support peer support really important and how how does that work with performance management you know in terms of the team and you send someone on a course and they're doing mm. you know come back to a critical role 
you know, but the police force has this tradition, doesn't it? You know, you're in, you're in for as long as you want to be in, not in for life is the perception of mm. me as a member of the Joe Public. And you promote people into roles and perhaps they don't perform in that role. Does that make mm. performance management of people more difficult, do you think, in the police force than other organisations? I think it does. And we're experiencing it at the minute with the uplift of police officers. Okay. So uh, if you imagine, I know it's been talked about in the press, but over the years, 35,000 police officers were taken out of policing. Yeah. We're now in the position where the Conservatives have supported this 20,000 back into policing, but it's still not going to take us up to no. where we were. And the problem is that we've had to go into this massive engine room now to try and get people through. But what it is going to mean and what we're experiencing at the minute is we've got a lot of inexperience coming through. So that bit that I've just talked about, about the need to have those experienced officers coaching and bringing people through, it's more difficult. And so, you know, great that we're getting this uplift, but definitely an impact then on on the quality of of what people are going out and doing. So how do you make sure you strengthen your sergeants, your supervisors? How do you make sure that your training maybe is a bit longer because you need to put more training in because they won't have that out on the the ground? Um, So it's things like that that really do impact on performance. The the other thing that we have, of course, is we have a shortage of detectives. So nationally, uh, we're working very hard around that in terms of how do we bring people through the organisation. Uh, we're offering things like people being able to join the organisation as a detective, which we've yeah. never had before. Okay. Um, but that brings some issues with it as well because we've got to uh, make sure they can still have the basic skills as a police officer. So they still have to come in and do uniform. They still have to get out on patrol. You know, They still need to understand those yeah. basics. So the lead timing is, is longer all of those things impact on performance so um and that's just the tip of the iceberg <laughs> yeah, you know the, sure the plates we, we you're spinning. For hours exactly alone. i know i'll probably yeah. bore you to tears with it but you know again it's um it's i think what i would say about dorset police is we're very nimble mm. so uh we're able then with some of these issues that are coming up and trying to look as far ahead as we can you know things like cyber skills you know yeah. how do we how do we cope with the change in fraud you know mm. i mean you're more likely to be a victim of crime in your own home yeah. than you are you know going out on the street and and something happening so you know how do we create the capacity with the same amount of resources and, and what a, do we prioritize and a different skill set needed for exactly. the way that crime itself is evolving yeah so uh, interesting because you've talked a lot about you know dorset being nimble dorset being already in the short conversation we had as you know a small force that means that you can you know still do some direct policing and all of those things so how do you think and how do you think the dorset police force is different to maybe Manchester, the Met, you know, these these greater, larger mm. kind of organisations. And do you have flexibility to do things differently or is there a lot of dictate from government, whatever creed of government that may be at the time? Yeah, so... I mean, we're still an organisation of two and a half thousand people. Yeah. Um, so when I talk about a smaller force, it's not it's still not, not small, small, is it really? No. But, um, you know, but when you compare us to 32,000 in the Met and, you know, in Greater Manchester, it is significantly different. So, I mean, at that executive level, what I would say is it's 
it's as harder work because in Greater Manchester you have a bigger executive. You have yeah. you know that you have that more shared responsibility. Whereas um, we've just grown by a, um, a second eight, uh, assistant chief constable, recognising we need that capability. But when I first came into this force, um, just over two years ago, I was the only assistant chief. And you were in charge of everything in terms of delivery. It was virtually impossible. So you've got, you've got this um, smaller executive team, everybody wearing more hats. Mm. So it's just a very different role. Whereas in Greater Manchester, you might have a ACC crime yeah. And you'll have an ACC local policing, and you'll have all these different roles. Whereas here, we all muck in. Yeah. But um, that's quite a nice thing. So we're an executive of six people. So okay. there's the chief, myself, and then the, the rest of the team. And um, and we work really closely together. We support each other. We step in for each other because we have to. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. But in terms of Dorset Police, what I would say is um, we are able to move things together. So if we need to be in a change programme or we need to say, actually, this is a performance priority, yeah. we can put some shift so behind that. So you can that. set strategy and, yeah. you know, you've got your kind of, this is what you need to deliver yeah and you can set strategy as you go as a, an executive team of six which again is very similar to what a board of directors would be mm. in a you know exactly. commercial organization isn't it yeah and, and i think in terms of performance performance scrutiny um you know we're quite heavy on that yeah. we do a lot of detail around that and it allows you to understand the areas where you need to you know yeah. focus and and and, pr- and improve upon the negatives, of course, um, to being part of a bigger force is that you don't have the flexibility around the resource. No. You know, we, we do have limited resources here and it does feel like that. Mm. So we don't get any more resource for summer policing. Yet, you know, last year we had 25 million people here over the summer. Yeah. So, you know, there's no extra policing for that. We just need to look and move our resources slightly differently. We have to prioritise certain, yeah. um, certain things. Um, you know, but we're, we're very good at that. Yeah. So that's what I mean about that flexibility, that ability to be able to say, this is our priority. Okay, we just need to jiggle things around and, and, and refocus. Um, and um, yeah, I'm not sure Greater Manchester, and we've seen it in the Met. I mean, I do feel for them. 32,000 people mm. working in that organisation. Uh, I, I oversee uh, professional standards and ethics for the force. You know, imagine trying to do that over 32,000 yeah. people. Times, over it's, 10 times the yeah, size of people. Yeah. yeah. And that ability to shift, you know, yeah. um, and respond. And, and and I could go on about Dorset Police, but I think one of the things that we do really value is our relationship with the public mm. and our communities. And, and I think that having worked in three forces, the relationship we have and the trust we have and the support we have from our communities is overwhelmingly good. Brilliant. Uh, and it allows us to do our job yeah. far better than if you know we were in a position where we'd lost that confidence definitely definitely and i suppose it's like any other change management process or system isn't it that you can make change happen when you're smaller yeah. and you like you say more nimble and all of those things yeah. so when you look at a commercial organization and leadership within a commercial organization i think we're starting to touch on what some of the similarities are but let's just talk about what some of the differences are and perhaps Sam what some of the things you're envious about (laughs) if you were instead a business leader of a you know commercial organization of two and a half thousand people you know what do you Mm. think some of those differences are and I know it's a hard question because you've had 25 years 
in the force but yeah no i mean i I think budget investment and that ability that if you're doing well as an organization you make more money potentially if that's part of your business and and you can reinvest back in whereas what we do is we do better uh, and we improve and we deliver that performance our crime comes down you know we, yeah. we, we, I think with something I think last time I looked we were around sixth in the country in terms of low crime rate you know fantastic um, and then you you know you have great detection rates and all these sort of things you don't get any more money for that <laughs> you know so <laughs> no. you work a bit harder but what you get back is is the fact you've got safer communities I also think that I think the, because that trust and confidence that I talked about before is so important, we cannot let people down. You know, we, we have to demonstrate every day that we are out there working for our communities. And and when we lose that or something happens, and, and let's face it, we operate in this really complex risk environment, things are going to go wrong. Um, and whereas a company makes a mistake potentially and yes it's not very good it, it impacts on trust but not the same way as policing because yeah. it goes to the core of human beings doesn't it, it and does. how they feel safe yeah um so i think that's another thing for me is is you know we are the most scrutinized public service and an organization in the country in the world yeah and sometimes that is exhausting okay so it's good because it pushes us to be better and also by having that scrutiny the public can look and say yeah that's been scrutinized and and that's been looked at whether that's the independent um you know police complaints whether that's um hmic coming in to um, look at us but sometimes it is just relentless because you know unfortunately some people die you know that we are dealing with and um you know because of the circumstances um, and we are then scrutinized around that absolutely the right thing to do but it can sometimes just feel relentless okay it's really great answer great answer and if we talk about the funding then i mean that is a constraint isn't it because you can't set your own I mean, you do set your own budgets, but you get told what funding you've got, I suppose. I suppose, I'm surmising here, year on year, and then you have to work to that budget, whatever it may be. And like you say, you can't, you know, you don't reinvest profits back in because they don't exist. You can't seek outside investment. No. That's quite constraining, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of running an organisation. Yeah, I mean, we've got better over the years. So things like, uh, you know, major events. So uh, some of the commercial events now will get money back from that if we we have to put policing, the football um, and that type of thing. But that's not money generation. That is paying for what they're getting. Um, And I the, the, the the issues with the policing budget are that often it's last minute yeah so you'll find out within months of when your budget is is coming out so it's always a case of we plan for the best we plan for the worst and we're always like on tenter hooks <laughs> you probably know? end up somewhere in the middle <laughs> yeah and then and then you know just just uh decisions like the government deciding on the pay award yeah so all of a sudden now we've got a deficit for next year that we are having to work you know how do we find this money yeah. to make sure that we pay our staff the and, and our officers um the increased pay award because that comes from us so it might be a government decision 
but actually it, it impacts, impacts on us and it impacts directly on the frontline policing because how many how many officers can we afford how many staff members can we afford that do this amazing role for us as PCSOs mm. and our control rooms and you know all of the the back office functions and all of that that, that keeps this force going yeah. Um, you know, where do we find then the resources? You know, do we, can we afford to keep police stations open? That is constant for us, constantly right. running through that to see, you know, what it is that we need to do to make sure we reinvest as well, because we've also got cyber fraud, you know, increases around some crime types, you know, violent crime, those yeah. types of things that we equally need to put need some to resources to. Resource. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging, isn't it? So one of the other things that... One day I'll stop talking about it on the podcast, but I think, you know, the COVID pandemic, you know, hopefully, God, you know, has, God willing, has sort of passed or the COVID is still with us. But that's seen exponential changes for many businesses mm. and also, you know, societal changes. How has that affected the police force? Hugely. Mm. I would say our policing landscape and our community has changed. Yeah. Um, so we're definitely seeing that around certain crime types. While the police is under pressure, so are the other public services. So things like we've seen increased mental health in, in society and um, you know stresses and strains on like the ambulance service, for example. And all of these things directly out impact on policing mm. because when those things aren't available or when there's an escalation around somebody's mental health, the police often then have to yeah. step in and deal with it as First an incident. Point of call. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think in terms of externally, we're seeing that. I think um, there is an impact of children being out of schooling for two years. You know, we're seeing mm. the impact of that as well, and um, and also just just some of the crime types are, that have, have just shifted, like burglary. That's dropped really okay. unusually uh, because people were at home. They More were in their, yeah, mm. they were in there. But then the whole fraud that I've already mentioned, mm. you know, that has increased because then there's more of an engine room, you know, yeah. uh, working away from where the crime's being committed. Um, and then that's externally, and that's just a name but a few, but internally as well, we're finding people are less likely to take overtime. So this whole thing around okay. workforce balance. Yeah. And um, our, we're not getting people through. The, so our, our contact management, so up in our force control room, we've really struggled to um, recruit because there's so much employment out there because of the impacts yeah. of COVID. So that's had an impact on us. But um, but yeah, I mean, it it's definitely feels like there has been a shift that mm. we're, we're policing very differently. Um, and it has brought some massive positives. So new ways of working, of course. Yeah. Uh, most of our officers and staff now have a laptop. Yeah. And that was something that happened two years ago when we pushed out hundreds of laptops yeah. like within a short period of time just to make sure we had people working at home they weren't coming into the environment and that's something then that we're building that on now flexibility so, can now continue and have yeah. a benefit so yeah. it's not all negative no um, you know it is i think there has been a, a re uh, sort of rebalancing around people's work life to home yeah. and i think this we've seen this real um expansion and increase around technology and yeah. how we are operating differently across across our, yeah. our our workforce so again we're seeing some real similarities with the commercial world aren't we yeah. that are seeing the same 
same yeah. things, you know. Mm. Service proposition, product proposition might have changed because of people's attitudes changing. And yeah. But the workforce shift is significant, isn't it? Like you yeah. say, you know, that desire maybe for better, you know, work-life balance. Mm. Retiring early, I assume that's possibly a, yeah. a thing, you know. Definitely, and yeah. definitely trying mm. to find and resource people. So, um, you know, and that resourcing of people, finding that, you know, that shortage of people that are available to join mm, and you know trying yeah. to attract them is a challenge that all organizations are facing so how are you trying to overcome that so it is an amazing job you know i mean i don't know many jobs where you can and i'm talking about police officers as well as the staff yeah. jobs that we have as well is where you can come in and make such a difference you know every day the impact that you have um is incredible and I think sometimes we get a bit used to that and we don't think about it you know we're a bit immune to it so so I think the offer that we have is you know if you want to work in an environment where you're having a direct impact on the on your community and the public then you can't get much better than policing I also think as well the, the new ways of working so that flexibility is really important and we, we we're reimagining our state at the moment in terms of where people are where they're yeah. working working from home so I think our offer we need to be an employer of choice yeah. um, I think the the fact that we're really working quite hard around um the uh, diversity of our workforce as well so my executive is is 50 percent women yeah um you know really positive and you know just trying to get people to interested in the organization from all walks of life you know offering part-time offering flexibility is really really important and um and also we're also going through a review of wages at the moment uh, yeah. and again that will be something that will become <laughs> a deficit that <laughs> i know but uh, you know recognizing that we're not always up there in terms of what what's on offer yeah. for people so if you're saying come up and work in a control room which is an amazing job sit there do these wonderful things be that support for that person on the end of the phone that victim or you can go and work in a, a supermarket for the yeah. same price, then that can't be right because the risk that person's yeah, carrying just... is significant. But what, what we find, I mean, I know um, we have, we're not losing people. So people are, are sticking with us. We're finding we're not losing people at seven years, eight years that we thought we might. Okay. Um, people are still joining for life and that includes our staff members as okay. well. You know, that's not just the police officer yeah. side of the house, which is really good because you get to keep all that rich experience Definitely. and, and, um, definitely you know knowledge and is there a distinction in the organization between the officers and the support and how do you deal with that Sam so I'd like to think there isn't yeah, okay. but I think I think it, it can happen and I think it can happen in different teams and we work really hard um, to make sure that that uh, that we deal with that yeah. and if that does come out then we, it would be challenged you know um, I think the the we are one team yeah. and and one of the really real strengths of this force of the people they're just yeah. fantastic we've got great people and um you know and, and a lot of mixed teams so imagine the control room that i've already talked about but i've been down today to weymouth you've got our pcso's working within our neighborhood teams and working with the teams down there you know we've got our intelligence directorate mm. which is overwhelmingly staff members you know they are the engine room for intelligence and, and making sure we are where we should be in yeah. terms of dealing with tackling crime and disorder etc so i 
think the mix is great, you know, and I, what I would say is if there is an issue, we'd, we'd jump on it, yeah. you know. Um, and that's not to say we don't all get it, always get it perfect, because it's people, isn't it? <laughs> it's people, isn't it's it? People, isn't it's it? people, yeah. yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not a science, is it? <laughs> it's you know? not, no. <laughs> It's definitely not. And, but, then, you know, there's some great philosophies in there, isn't it? Is that one team culture, mm. any organisation I've ever led, far smaller than the organisations you... Uh, you you've led Sam. You know it's always about we are one team. It doesn't Absolutely. matter whether you're the receptionist, you know the internal finance person, yeah. or the partner director leading the delivery of the service. We're one team, and we can't do what we do yeah, unless we all exactly. do the roles. And that's mm. got to be the philosophy, hasn't it? I think the first time I saw that there could be a um, could be a sort of differentiation between, and I didn't see it. But I, I went in to run a project as a chief inspector. And so we had 50-50 police officers and, and police staff because it was um, very much an operational um, system. And um, it was there where I saw it for the first time. And that was one of the things, you, you know, you've got to get your arms. I had 50 people working for me then, arms around them to yeah. say, you know, this is one team. There was fractions between people, you know. But actually, it soon got resolved. And, yeah. and that's it, isn't it? Don't hide away from it. Deal with yeah. it. And, and I suppose that's, I don't know if this is an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it. You always imagine that the police force can be quite a political organisation to work within. Is that a misconception, do you think? I think it is, actually. Um, I think we've got, obviously, the Office of Police and Crime Commissioners yeah. now um, that, that are there to hire and fire the yeah. chief and hold us to account on behalf of the public. And um, I would say that's, more political than the actual running yeah. of, a, of a of a police organisation. I hand on heart believe and see every day that people are trying to do what's best for their communities. It's not politically driven. I think sometimes we we, we seem to be under the last few years more political pressure around yeah. certain things. So violence against women and girls, quite rightly, and uh, you know the the most recently the race action plan that's coming down and, and will mean that we'll have to do certain things um, and, you know, political pressure around protest and yeah. things like that. But for me, I always talk to my team and, and, and the organisation about we need to do what's right yeah. for our public and the communities. And we take that into account, yeah. but that's not what drives us. It's about what's, doing, what's right for Dorset's communities because yeah. it's very different to what Devon and Cornwall are doing yeah. or Greater Manchester are doing. Uh, you know, they they all have slightly different flavours. Yeah. They need slightly different things. So you need to understand your community, absorb the political pressures to a certain degree, yeah. and and take account of those. But do what's right. right in and the I delivery. suppose that is the job of the executive, isn't it? Is to hear yeah. the political pressures, the noise, the agenda. Yeah. But then make sure you're doing what's right for the community. Absolutely. And, yeah. and letting your team underneath deliver. And offer a bit of protection as yeah. well, because, you know, not everything can be a priority, yeah. you know, and that's the difficulty as well, is that I know there are certain crime types that we don't deal with mm. um, because we can't, no. because it's just not a priority compared with other things that are, are really critical and, and harmful to the community. Okay. So there's those different, you have to get those different service levels right. Yeah. So what what service do you get for this crime what service do you get for this crime and actually what's the victim at the end of it yeah. uh, and what do they need in terms of that vulnerability yeah. it's interesting i'm just looking over your shoulder now because you've got your purpose there which is just resonating with everything you've just said actually which is for the listeners is tough on crime keeping people safe putting victims first 
absolutely yeah, yeah. it's there on your notice board right by your desk so yeah. it's interesting to really really <laughs> simple message and yeah. uh you know and we are we very much shifted the last 12 months in in terms of uh and this is as a result of covid going on that front foot proactively mm. um and being far more out there in our communities in terms of you know just those real high harm offenders yeah. um and we're seeing that with our crime team op viper we've got running which is um is one of our drugs initiatives op relentless okay. as well so you know really um pulling together the resources that we can to go out and deal with those real high harm offenders so obviously what we're also seeing within commercial organization is generational change mm. And, you know, managing different generations is a challenge. You know, <laughs> they come with different expectations and, and, and things and a different kind of, I suppose, upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know, the world is changing all the time. And that clearly presents numerous challenges. But is that increased further when you've got a long-standing organisation with quite a lot of traditions? Mm. Perhaps the traditions aren't quite there now. But, you know, again, a perception is there's a long-standing traditions... Um, within the police force and how do you manage all of that generational change balancing with keeping with tradition you know you know recognizing who you are and what you are and what's brought you to this point I mean that that is a subject again in itself isn't it Sam? It is it is (laughs) definitely definitely and um, what I would say is when you've got a policing career now that goes up to 35 and 37 years and goes all the way through the generations you've just talked about. I mean, it, and some of our police staff have been with us 45 mm. years, you know, so just absolutely huge. And I, the way I look at it, I look at it quite pragmatically, really. You know, that experience is great. So again, Weymouth to yeah. this morning, walked into one of the teams and we've got um, statement takers in there. They are retired police officers from up country who've retired down here and just want a little job statement taken. Okay. And they're doing a fantastic job for us, you know, and they're probably they're probably up to their 40, 45th year, you know. Um, and then I'm also really protective of the young people we've got coming through mm. because there is a responsibility there is care and um nurturing that i think was probably missing when i joined 25 Mm. years ago you were sort of like in you go off you go and get on with it it was everything was a shock you know the first (laughs) time you dealt with lots yeah Yeah. um and i was tutored then by a a 39 uh, sorry a 29 year service um pc and to be fair we didn't really do much in my tutorship. It was only when I started working with some people younger in service. So um, I'm a bit protective of the young ones because people go, oh, the new generation, they don't get their hands stuck in, yeah. they don't work overtime and all that sort of thing. But what they do bring with them and what we've missed in policing is recruiting the young people in to and the young in service because it's not just young people, it's people on second yeah. careers and bringing with them all this brilliant knowledge and experience of life. And also, and challenging us to be better. You know, they don't put up with some of the things I would have put up with 25 years ago. And we need to be challenged on that. That's how you become a better organisation, isn't it? uh, Yeah, I'm just thinking about it again now. Yeah, that sort of period where you weren't allowed to recruit. Yeah. That must have really hurt because you have got, you have, there might be a generation that's missing nearly in terms of the force, isn't there? I think I think Dorset, it was before my time, but had two or three years where they didn't bring in new recruits. Yeah. I mean, I think that's damaging. I think now when you reflect yeah. back on that, and it was austerity, so, yeah. you know, they had, really didn't have any choice. 
but I think you know you've missed that drip feed of difference yeah. coming through and 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 I think the different level entry levels we have now for police officers in particular yeah. so you can come in you can do three years do a degree yeah. so anybody out there who fancies <laughs> joining the police you can come and get a degree over the three years as well and get paid as a police officer and still do a great job for your communities um, but um, I think that's been really important, opening the doors in different ways so we're attracting different people yeah. um, from all ranges of, work, of work, work, walks of life. Fantastic, fantastic. Right, we're close to the end of our conversation, <laughs> but I could talk to you for hours. I'm fascinated, as I always am, when I speak, speak to a leader in a you know, different type of organisation, but we are coming to a close. So the movies and telev- television series, no doubt, glamorise at times your profession just out of interest which aspects of what is presented is really close to being real life and which do you think are just not a portrayal at all oh so uh i really love i i actually really love cop um series okay. um, i really like um, the line of duty i mean that is so far off the chart it's unbelievable <laughs> off uh, the chart in terms of not being reality <laughs> not being the reality whatsoever and i was uh, head of professional standards when i was in devon and cornwall police okay so, and um, the whole sort of corporate uh, you know, whole sort of corruption yeah. side of things and um it really is um out of the ballpark in terms okay. of reality. I can't take I some it. pleasure from that, actually. Yeah. I can just enjoy it and watch it for what it is. And the thing is, that whole team wouldn't be wouldn't be in that department because they're all actually slightly corrupt as well, you know. But um, but I do love it. And there are aspects of it, though, procedurally, that yeah. are right. Which is one of the things people love about the programme, is yeah. it just it does try and represent that piece of policing. So the sort of interview, yeah. you know, that interview, like, you know, being on it, having yeah. your evidence, drip-feeding evidence, you know, the putting the person under pressure, you know, that that's quite good. And, um, and also, I think, as well, just shows sort of... So you wouldn't have, that team would not have time to just do that case. That case would probably be one of 20 that they were dealing with, you know, uh, we were talking about the demands earlier. But um, the other one I really like is Scott and Bailey, which is the two women on the major crime team. Now that one is more procedurally correct. And, you know, uh, a lot of that, obviously, again, it's a drama. They've got to make it interesting. But um, but I I really like that one and I think that's probably one of the ones I've actually seen that's close More to the representative truth. Of and the... that whole thing about the team and the personalities and 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 that's the beauty of working in policing. You get to work on these amazing teams yeah. with people and deal with some incredible stuff, you know. Um, but um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing that they get ro- wrong, if you like, is. Is, and they have to do it because it makes it more dramatic and more interesting, is just the integrity of people. And some of the things, I mean, the unacceptable behaviour that we do not accept yeah. now. And those small cases that hit the press now, and we've seen some, haven't we, with the Met. We've had some cases that have met the Met, that met the press in terms of individuals. They are individual, very small mm. cases in organisations of thousands yeah. of people. And you get that in any organisation, that yeah. people that don't quite perform as they should or aren't quite performing yeah. in the right way or haven't quite got the right ethics. I mean, that that happens in the commercial world too. Yeah, definitely. So that's the only thing for me is that, you know, if you li- looked at all those programmes, there's a corrupt police officer everywhere. <laughs> <isn't there? laughs> yeah. And what I would say is that most of the 
cases that we get coming through our PSD now are people reporting things that they've seen in their team that they're not happy with okay. or you know um, is put forward and people challenging each other mm. which I think has been a massive positive over the last that, few years which is brilliant isn't it and again yeah. it's probably something that's happening more you know and it's a, a different you know level not so serious clearly but that's what mm. you are starting to see now in commercial organizations where people put the values on the wall um, yeah. you know they used to go on the wall everybody used to ignore them but mm. people are being more held to account rightfully if yeah. an organization says that's who we are that's what we represent that's what needs to be done practically yeah. day in day out mm. on the ground isn't it so very final question i think we've heard a lot about your definition of success in terms of Dorset Police and in your role which has been brilliant and thank you for being so open and honest in your responses but in terms of you as an individual your, you know what is your personal definition of success oh what a good question so I have got to a position that I never thought I'd get to you know I joined as a PC and I thought oh, it'd be great to be a sergeant and then here I am 25 years later doing this incredible job um, and so I am thankful for that every day. And I, when it, things are really difficult, when I'm getting calls at two o'clock in the morning, or we have a major incident yeah. down at the beach, or we have something big happening, and it, and it's, and it, you know, at times that has infiltrated my life, my family, and you know, caused stresses and strains. I just sit back and think oh, I've got the best job in the world. Mm. And I think sometimes, you know, when you've got your head down and you're working so very, very hard you don't actually step back and just take a breath and, yeah. and, and consider you know, where you are and, and what you can see that you're achieving through your team. So that's really important for me that, you know, that the whole team is together delivering. Um, you know, the whole, I talked about how we work together as one team. That is, if we didn't do that, we wouldn't be a successful mm. police organization. Um, and when that's going wrong, really, in there to sort that out and, and say why isn't that working and what do we do so for me personally it's about carrying on this role making sure that I don't take it for granted yeah. make sure that I actually you know continue to love what I'm doing and and to wrap my arms around the organization to make sure it's as successful as it can be brilliant Sam I'd love to have you as a guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast thank you thank you thanks for having me Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.